So when you do a service like this, to be honest, there's only one outcome that's needed. So won't you give us some time to get that ready? But I want us just to pray right now. I believe, and, and most of you know what's going on. And for those of you who are new here or you, you don't exactly know, hang tight. I'm going to explain it perfectly, I hope, and give you an understanding of what's going on. But I want us to pray because I believe that tonight represents a pivotal point in the future of this church and what God wants to do. And I don't want to take one step. I'm kind of like Moses. Lord, if you're not going to go with me, I ain't going. If you're not going to go before me, I'm going to pack it up and I'm going to camp right here and I ain't moving. God, I need you to go before me. I wonder if we could pray as one body. Lord, would you go before us right now? Would you go before us in our minds? Would you go before us in our hearts? Would you go before us in our spirits? As we prepare for this, Lord, we're asking right now that nothing we do be done by the, with the presence of God or without the presence of God. But Lord, that everything we do we do it because you are going before us. Go before me in my heart, my mind, my soul. Lord, I want this to be your will and nothing else. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your worship, for the hunger of God that I feel in this place. We are so blessed. I, I don't know. I, I cannot, I can't say that enough. How blessed we are in this church. I want to, I want to, I, I love one of the things that I have so enjoyed about pastoring is to watch the church grow, Brother Cozart. I love seeing new faces. I love when someone walks in. Just this afternoon, we were, we were out to eat, and, and uh, there were some guys at one table, some of the ladies were at the other table, and I look over, and the waitress is sitting down with the ladies, and she's talking. And I got curious, so I walked over there. And they're inviting her to church. And she said, I'm going to be there Wednesday. I love reaching new people. But one thing about new people is I get an opportunity to just tell once again what God has done. So if you're an old saint, and I don't mean in age, but, you know, you've been here for a while, and this bores you, I don't care because I like seeing what God is doing. And I like going back. The Bible says we're made overcomers by the word of our testimony let me give you a little history of where we are today. Around 1963, when O'Fallon was just really a one-road town, for lack of a better word, Highway K was a, a roller coaster of a two-lane road. In fact, some of it, when you got past about, uh, about Highway N, it became gravel even. In 1963, Pastor Gilbert started the first church, and I mean of, our, of, of this church, of this local congregation. He started it. In a one-room schoolhouse there on Sondran Street, it's not there anymore. If you were to go over to Sondran Street, kind of, I think it's O'Fallon Square. I get them confused. O'Fallon Plaza, O'Fallon Square, but it's, it's uh, where Dollar General is. If you go past that, go into Sondran, there's a car wash right there, and that's where this one-room schoolhouse used to be. They paid $10 a month to rent it. There was an outhouse in the back, no running water in the, in the, the, uh, the, the schoolhouse. There was... Um, 
just a, a coal burning stove, no AC for sure. And so every morning in the wintertime, someone would have to go out there and start the coal or the, the uh, wood stove up so they could get some heat. But he started that in 1963, following a fall from a telephone pole in his job as a lineman. Brother Gilbert was severely injured and he and his family had to move to Texas for his health and for his recuperation. And in 1966, Brother Sanders and his family moved the existing congregation. It wasn't a lot of people. I think there was only two people at that point that had kind of made the transition from losing their pastor and and all of that. But they moved the remaining congregation into their home that I, as far as we can tell is where the old tax house is on Woodlawn and Veterans Memorial Parkway. They moved that congregation into their home and had church, but in 1967 they were able to take the church from their home into the old McDonald grocery store, which is there on Woodlawn. If you're familiar with J.J.'s Restaurant, right across from J.J.'s Restaurant is a building that they now sell tires and hubcaps and stuff like that out of. That used to be our church there on Woodlawn church began to grow, great things begin to happen, there's miracles, signs and wonders that begin to happen and in just a few years in 1969 they outgrew that building and they begin to build this church that we're at right now in 1969 through the 1970 year they constructed the current or the first part of the property here on West Terra it was here that the church truly began to grow. They hit their, uh, during the time of Brother Sanders, they hit their highest attendance, 202 people. And we have come within uh, our 204 people. And a few years ago, we hit 200 people. And so there were four of y'all that were out of town. And I've already talked to you about that because y'all would have let us be there. But whatever, I'm not bitter. But during that church that many uh, of the, the records, if we can use those terms, was set. Their Shoes for Christ giving hit that $10,000, and, and, and $0.10 mark during that time that a few years ago this church was able to breach that. And we uh, have now been able to give much more than that to our Shoes for Christ, which is a missions-type offering. In 1979, they left here, the Sanders left here to start another church and brother and sister Parks and his family became the pastor and the church continued to go forward. In the early 1980s, however, a fire was started in the basement that gutted this building. I know you can't read it, but that's the, the, the newspaper article that talks about it, that we have. It, it started right under this area right here in the, uh, where, the, where the furnaces are, but it exploded and, and uh, it burned and gutted the interior of the church. But it was rebuilt there in the early 1980s. And when they rebuilt it, they added the, the wing. So, so basically church used to end about right here. This was the end of the back wall, but they moved it back to here. And the office complex there. And then downstairs, the fellowship hall, they, they grew that. And in 1985, they had, he, he had had a massive stroke that rendered him basically speechless and immovable. He could come and they would carry him up in a... A, uh, a wheelchair and he could he could stand or sit here but there was not much he could do his assistant pastor Brother Cooley and his family in 1985 assumed the pastorate of this church of our church they pastored until 1995 Pastor Stephen Fitzpatrick and his wife and family were elected pastor in 2003 uh, he resigned and Pastor Doucette and his family were elected pastor and in 2008 they moved back to Canada and my wife and I were elected. We're going on nine years of pastoring here. I kind of looked at my wife earlier today and I said, that just blows my mind. Next year is 10 years. And the church is growing. 
when we came, and, and, and some know this, but when we came, there was nine, nine voting members. I remember as we became pastor in June, late June of 2008, I think it was our second service here, second Sunday, we had the lowest crowd that we've ever had since I've been pastor. We had 12 people. I wasn't able to be here, so my dad ministered in that, in that uh, church service. 12 people to this morning, just a normal Sunday, 150 in attendance. God has it all in control. And, and from that, prior to 2016, I had prayed because I, you, you see the church growing. There's only 150, uh, I think 56 chairs in this building uh, right now, or at least you know in the main area. And on Sunday mornings, a lot of them are down in Sunday school, and that helps us out. But we realize we've got to grow. I looked out on the parking lot today, and we were parked on the grass. We were parked everywhere we could. We were double parked. We were triple parked. And all of this means we've got to do something different. We don't have enough land to, to build anything bigger here. We're, we're landlocked and unless we buy property we're, we're kind of stuck and so I begin to pray because as you know you see those end of the year balances when we have our business meeting and, and, and while God has helped us to, to fund the ministries and helped us to give that wasn't really a lot of money to build anything and I said Lord how in the world? For two years, probably from about 2014 to 2016, I would pray and I would seek the Lord and I would say, God, how do we build a church? Where does the money come from? I've never done this before. This is my beginning. And God began, I remember in, in, in late 2015, God began to direct me. And so remind, and let me remind you what I preached January 31st of last year as we kicked off this Give to Grow if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there because you need to do what I did in my Bible. I, I wrote notes all over it, and that's what every time I opened my Bible last year, almost, almost every time it would kind of just fall open to that place in Exodus because I'd spent a lot of time there. The spine had been weakened there because of how many uh, uh, opportunities I opened it. It's, it's where God is speaking to Moses as they are going to build the tabernacle. In Exodus chapter 35 and verse 4 says, Moses said to all of the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord hath commanded. I'm reading English Standard Version. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution of gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen and goat's hair and tan ram skins and goat skins and acacia wood and oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil for that fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breast paste. Did you catch what God commanded? Take from those who were of a generous I said, Lord, that sounds like where I'm at. What are we going to do? And then you go to verse 35 or verse 20 of that, of that chapter, Exodus 35, and this is kind of the answer, if you will. It's one thing for God to command. It's one thing for God to give that unction. It's one thing for God to push, but it means nothing if there's nothing that happens afterwards. You've got to move on what he says. Exodus 35, verse 20, Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, they left. 
But then they came, everyone whose heart stirred in them, everyone whose spirit moved them and brought the Lord's contribution be used for the tent of meeting and for its service and for its holy garments. They came, both men and women, all that were a willing heart. They brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and every sort of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. Anyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen, goat goat hair or ram skins or goat skins, they brought them. If they could make a contribution of silver or bronze, they brought it. If you had acacia wood, they brought it. Every woman that was skillful could spin with their hands. They brought everything they could spin and, and, and they spun the goat hair and they brought the onyx stones and the stones to be set. All the men, verse 29, and women, the people of Israel whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord that God had commanded by Moses to be brought. They brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. This is what we preached last year. And then later, and it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I have prayed so many times, Brother Sorrels, Lord, I want this to happen in our church. Because I've never heard it happen other than here. But I want to be the first one that this happens to. In verse, or, or chapter 36, verse 2, Beelzeel and Eliab, all these craftsmen, they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel that had brought for the work in the sanctuary. And the Bible says they kept bringing free will offerings every morning. Every day they woke up, there was another offering brought. Every day they came to work on the tabernacle, there was something else given. And so that the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task came and said to Moses, verse 5, the people bring us more than enough for doing the work that the Lord hath commanded us to do. And so Moses gave command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. I know Sister Sharon might not want me to say this, but I want to one day stand in this pulpit and say we've received enough. Can I just tell you that if it's in the Bible, that's not a pipe dream. Now notice it said for the work of the sanctuary, there were other needs, so there'll never be not a need. But I want to be able to say we've, we've given enough, and it's there. Last year on January the 31st, we preached here in this sanctuary giving to grow. It was through the direction of the Lord that we presented to you this pledge, if you will, that every person or or family would commit in 2016 to give $1,000 above and beyond their tithes and offerings and special offerings like She's for Christ and Save Our Children and Mother's Memorial and Christmas for Christ. And obviously, there was room for people to do a different amount, smaller or greater. But the thought, though, the plan was to focus on the consistent giving rather than the lump sum offering. So we planned to give from February to November. Ten months. The average month has four weeks. It leads to having to give $100 a week for ten months or $25 a week for 40, uh, 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 $25 a week for 40 weeks, if you will. And that would end up to be no one had to try to wait till, till November when you're starting to look forward to Christmas and you're having to pay your personal property tax. It was just come and be it. And, and, and if I could be brutally honest, I, I, have, I have more faith, I think, when it comes to giving than just about anybody here. But I had told the Lord, I said, God, even though it would be far more than we could ever imagine, God, if we could just get 30000 if I could just get 
30 people in a congregation of about 120 or so, if I could get 30 people to do this, or if I could even get 60 people to do half of that pledge, I'll consider it, Lord, you've made a miracle happen. You see, and, and, and for us to buy land, the current economic climate dictates that a church, a house of God, uh, that you have to have half of the purchase price as a down payment before you can finance the rest. And while things remain fluid, and it's kind of hard to make plans when you're a couple years out because the market could change. But just to give you an idea, I envision around 200000 is needed for us to begin to purchase land means you've got to have 400,000 you know for the total land and and so realizing that 30,000 is just a drop in the bucket but at least it's a start but that night and I apologize for using personal pronouns I just don't know any other way to tell it but that night I stood in awe tears rolling down my face as we saw close to 50,000 I think it was more like 46 or 47 thousand dollars that was pledged that night and I went home excited with that but when I went to bed I said Lord help us see it through each week I would could not wait for Sister Sharon to put it all we had a spreadsheet going on it's all going into a into a, a savings account that's just for this and and she would put it and I could not wait every week and and if it didn't happen fast enough I got really antsy and, and I couldn't wait to see it and I watched as consistently every week without a lot of push just simple reminders and just keeping it there I watched that begin to climb and climb and climb and to God be the glory as of January 24th 2017 we have in that savings account $55,688 and through it all nothing else in the budget suffered God provided and you gave and, and obviously, this is something that has to be done in a multiple year campaign. We can't look back and say, well, we had a great year 2016 because it's not near enough. But I want to just preach to you a little bit about this theme. This theme this year is beyond. You're going to see it and you're going to hear it. You've already heard it. But you're going to hear it in so many different ways. But first off, I want to tell you about the beyond miraculous. I love the way the Bible reads. I just, it just has a way of saying it. In the book of Mark chapter 6 and verse 45, you find the story where God, where, where Jesus constrained his disciples, said, hey, get in the ship and we're going to go to the other side and, and I'm going to send all these people away. Let's go to the other side. And he sends them away. He says, I'm going to the mountains. They begin to cross that, that sea. They're roar, rowing. And as they are in the midst of the sea, and he, Jesus, is on the land. He watches them and he's seeing them toiling. And the wind is contrary. They can't put up the sail. And the waves begin to buffet that little craft. And the wind is contrary and they are, uh, they are losing their mind. These experienced uh, men of the sea, they don't know what to do. And Jesus is watching them. And around the fourth watch of the night, Jesus comes walking upon the sea and would have passed them by. I like Jesus like that. He just walks on the sea like it's nothing. Like that's what he always does. And he wanted to see if they needed him. 
and would have passed them by. But as they saw, they thought it was a spirit. They cried and they were troubled. But he talked to them and he said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. You have other stories that back this up. But here in the book of Mark it says, and he went unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. And watch this. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. I believe, and I have seen it, and if I can again pardon the personal pronouns, but I can tell you in Sister Buford in my life that I have looked over last year and I was beyond amazed and I was beyond astounded and I was beyond measure. I don't know how God does it. I don't understand how God's economy works because it doesn't make a lick of sense to me. But I can tell you now, he blows my mind. I like it in Mark chapter 7, the next chapter. Again, they leave, and they're, they're leaving the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and they're in the Sea of Galilee there in Decapolis, and they bring unto Jesus someone who's deaf. Jesus takes that man, and he puts his finger in his ears, and he spits, and he touches his tongue, and he looks into the heaven, and he sighs as if, this is all you got? And he says, be open." straightway the deaf ears are open and the string of his tongue was loose and the man spaked plain and he said don't tell anybody about it but that was a useless commandment because the more he told them the more of the great deal they published it watch this and they were beyond measure astonished I am standing in the midst of a people that I believe you have seen the miracle and the provision and the power of God go beyond your wildest imaginations And I love this statement. I mentioned it to those that were going to be on the platform tonight. I love what they said. They say, it said, he hath done all things well. Look at your neighbor and says, he does all things well. Why don't you let that start being your Facebook status more than everything else? When the waves come, he does all things well. When when you pay your house payment, he does all things well. When your car gets a little farther gas mileage than you thought it could, he does all things well. Can I tell you today, I stand in the midst of the Lighthouse United Pentecostal Church and I simply say this, he does all things well. What a statement. But tonight, we bring you to this. I could have just printed out the same pledge cards. I could have just re-preached the sermon. And I do believe that you would have responded. But tonight, I want to challenge challenge you to give beyond. And in doing so, I want to take you to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to invite you to turn there with me so you can see what's happening. And I hope you catch what's hap- what, what, what I'm going to be talking about. I want you to give beyond, but I'm going to tell you there is a prophetic word that God has been giving me over the last two or so years, but I feel like this is the year that he says it's going to come to pass. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's, it's Paul and he's talking to the Corinthian church and, and, and he's telling them at this point in time, Jerusalem is in a great persecution. There's a lot of things happening. The church in, in Jerusalem had had a time of, of peace, but now it's at war with Judaism. It's at war with Rome. There's a lot of things happen. And Paul and some of the other apostles had been going around and they were collecting money to bring back to the church there in Jerusalem just to help them. They were in a strait. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation 
just because it, it says some things, but it, it, it's the exact same in the King James. You can read it. You'll see it behind me. But he said, I want to tell you, Corinthian church, I want to tell you what God and his kindness have done through the churches in Macedonia. How they were being tested with many troubles, but they, and they're very poor, but they were filled with abundant joy and it overflowed into rich generosity. Paul said, I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but they even gave far more. And they did it of their own free will. And they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. What that means is they begged to take an offering. You ever had that, Brother, Brother Richardson? Not very often. But I will tell you that in this church, while none of us say, hey, well, actually, there's a few of you that if we have one of those rock and church services, and, and, and kind of we, we throw out the, the, the order of the service. I've had some of you kind of raise your hand and look at me and say, we got to take the offering. I like that when you kind of beg. Hey, I won't take the offering. But what I can tell you in this church is this is a giving church. And I have watched missionaries and evangelists and different things, different programs. I have watched you give. I have watched it time and time again. And I believe this is a church that gives of their own free will. The Bible says in verse 5 that they did even more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And I can interject myself in this story and say that as pastor, I watched you give more than I had even hoped for. And so when the Bible says, verse 7, look at this. Especially young people since it's the name of your youth ministry. Since you excel in so many things. In your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love for us. What he was saying was, church, I have seen you go beyond. That's what the word excel means, to go beyond. I have, I have seen you go beyond in your faith. You have crazy faith. I have seen you go beyond in your preaching. You've got some great preachers. I have seen you go beyond in your knowledge and enthusiasm and in, in your love. But he says this, but I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. It's time to go beyond your giving, to give beyond. Here's my advice, verse 10. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Now, I like it because this verse works real good for us because we are literally a year away from what we started. Now, next year, this verse won't work so perfectly. It'll be finish what you started two years ago. But just right now, it's perfect. I love it. Finish what you started a year ago. And watch what he says. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Last year in 2016, we started something in the future of this church, and it's time to continue to finish what we started. Now finish what you should start, verse 11. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. There is a time and a place for sacrificial giving that hurts. There's a time and place where, where you set the rent check down and say, I don't understand it, but God, you told me to give the rent check. There's a time and place for you to give money you don't have, but right now this is not one of them. He says, give according to what you have, what you don't have. That is the key. And at the end it says, as the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, but those who gathered a little had enough. And of course that's talking about manna. 
Brother uh, uh, Keith, or Keith, Brother Kenny and Brother Darren, would you come up here for a minute, please? We're going to pass out these Give to Grow pledge cards, but I'm asking you, please. I know some of you are going to do it, but would you listen? You're the same kids that got a test in school, and in the test, it said read the instructions, and you didn't read the instructions, and you did the whole test, and when you got to the very last question, it said if you would have read the instructions, you didn't have to do this test. All you had to do was sign your name. Please listen. Don't fill it out yet. Don't fill it out yet. Don't fill it out yet. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fill it out yet. We should have enough for especially every adult. I don't care if children get them. Last year we had children give. It may have been a couple dollars, but they gave, and I am perfectly fine with that. But especially every adult, every family. Some of you, you're able to do, the husband and the wife is able to give. Others, it's going to be a family giving. I don't care. I want you to give from the willingness and the abundantness of your heart hallelujah I have I have a condition called crazy faith it's more than just a it's more than just positive thinking but in my life I have seen God move time and time again to where I just know he can there's not much. You can ask my wife. There is very little that ever gets me down. If, you, if, if anything ever gets me down, it's bad. And, and if you'll just give me a couple days, my faith will rise. I'm kind of like a ping pong ball. You can't sink it. You can hold it under. But at some point, it's going to pop back up. Y'all laughing. But I'd rather live like that than some of you waterlogged Christians that every time the devil spits at you, you about fall apart. I've just come to realize greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And though I'm down, though I might get trampled on, though I might make a mistake, I shall arise because I know in whom I have believed. And so I have this condition called crazy faith. And, and last year I exercised Crazy faith. My wife doesn't always have that same faith. Now, she has incredible faith, but not always the crazy side. And there's times I've done something and she looks at me and goes, um, did you think that through? To which I responded, not really, but God's got it. I'm being as, as honest as I can. It's a different type of service. But when Sister Sharon handed our, our giving statement, and I've always tried to give. I've always paid my tithes and done that. But when she gave me that giving statement, I opened it up, and I said, uh -uh, that there's something majorly wrong. Because I could have never dreamed that I, my wife, could have given what we were able to give. But that's what God does. And, and you say, Pastor, aren't you bragging? No, no, I'm not bragging because I heard it from more than one person that came to me and said, Pastor, I've never been able to do this before, but it just seems the more I give, the more God allows me to give. And it's because you learn to give beyond. Gave beyond. Last year, and, and we'll probably do it again, probably not this year, but last year, at the beginning of the year, we played a, a series of videos of teaching by Pastor Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. And I was blown away by that man's faith. He made statements like, if you'll give it to him, 
he can do more with what you give him than what you hold back. He, he made statements like, if you'll get your finances in order, God will bless you because God can't bless things that are out of order. And I will can't tell you right now, I will stand here today and tell you that's an absolute fact. When you do it God's way, it just happens. But I want to tell you tonight that last year was a precedented or, or an unprecedented uh, uh, setting. Because I believe last year what God wanted to see is, is this church willing to do their part? And I heard it very clearly last year in January. I heard God, as plainly as I have ever heard God, I heard God say, Brandon, if this church will do what they can do, I will do what I can do. And I'll blow your mind. I have sat on these verses for some three years. There have been many times that I've wanted to preach it. And every time, God has resoundedly shut the door. There's been times that I wanted to get there. I wanted to preach it in faith. And, and I'm, I, I, God literally said no. There were times I brought this type of a sermon that, that, that we're, we're going to get, and I'm not, it's not going to be a whole sermon, but th where we're getting, there were times I brought it ready to preach in here, and God would break open that service, and when he got done, he would tell me, Brandon, I didn't just break over that service because someone needed a, 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 a deliverance or, you know, we just wanted to have crazy church. He said, I did it so you wouldn't preach that because it's not time. But I am firmly believing that it is time. Ezra chapter 6 in verse 3, I'm asking first that you would give beyond. I'm asking first that, and, and this is why I didn't want you to fill it out quite yet. Because if you were able to give that $25 a week last year, I'm asking that prayerfully you would ask the Lord, Lord, could I give beyond? Could I give $26 a week, $30 a week? To say, Lord, I want to give beyond. But this is what the Lord has told me. If, if the church will give beyond, then God will bring a miracle beyond the giving. Let me show you. Ex, or Ezra chapter 6. Follow with me, please. I want you to see it the way I see it. I want you to see what I'm seeing, and I want you to grab hold of God's word. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 3, in the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus that the king made a decree concerning the house of the God of, Israel, of Jerusalem. First Cyrus said, let the house be builded, the place where they offer sacrifices. Let the foundations be laid, the height thereof three score cubits, the breadth thereof three score cubits, and three rows of great stones, a row of no timber. Let the expenses be given out of the king's house. He said they're not going to pay it out of their own pocket. It's going to come from a pagan king. Let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth from the temple, which was in Jerusalem, and brought it to Babylon when he overcame Jerusalem, let them be restored. I'm giving them back to the temple, which was in Jerusalem, every one to his place, and place them in the house of God. He said, and therefore, let Tadanai, the governor, here it is, beyond the river, and Shethar Bonnai, and, and your companions, and I can't even pronounce that next one, which are beyond the river, 
those that are far from thee. Let the work of this uh, work of this house of God let it alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders build this house. Moreover, verse eight, I make a decree that you shall do to these elders of the Jews for the building of this house. That is, of the king's goods, even the tribute beyond the river. Forthwith, the expenses be given unto these men that they be not hindered. They have need of young bullocks and rams and lambs for the burnt offerings. They have need of wheat, salt, wine, and oil according to the appointment of the priest. Let it be given them day by day without fail that they may offer sacrifices. He went so far, this is a pagan king that did not serve God. He said, verse 11, I've also made a decree that whosoever alters this word, if they don't obey me, let the timber be pulled down from that person's house, let it be set up, and let that man be hung thereon, and his house be made a dunghill for this. That's a harsh word if you don't do it. And so it was that the decree went out, and they did. I'm telling somebody right now, that I am firmly believing that because this church gave, because you did the miraculous, but you gave what you could, God says, I'm fixing to open a window, and I'm going to give beyond what you ever thought of. I'm going to turn to those. I'm going to go to the pagan side. I'm going to go to those that have no, no say in this tabernacle that's being built. And I'm going to talk to the Cyrus, the one that brought you out. I mean, it's Nebuchadnezzar, but it's at Babylon. They brought you out of captivity, but I'm going to start letting what they took from you, I'm going to let it start coming back so that you can build the house and I'm going to do it and it's going to come from beyond the river it's going to come from unexpected places and it's going to come day by day without fail I, I, have, I, I could have brought you story after story after story of pastor friends of mine that God has allowed some business or some person that's not even connected to the church to hand them multi-thousand dollars and even hundreds of thousand dollar checks. And I've seen that happen just recently. And when it did, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Brandon, it's fixing to come to Lighthouse because you showed me you're willing to give. In fact, you showed me that you're willing to give beyond. And so I'm going to start letting something come beyond your giving that you can't count on, that you don't even know of, that you don't even understand. It's coming from beyond the rivers. It's coming from places you can't even imagine so that you're not going to just see a, a little bit or even a great bit, but what you're needing is going to be there so you can build this house faster than you ever dreamed or ever imagined. God wants you to give beyond so that he can go beyond your giving. Somebody raise your hand if you believe what I'm preaching. If you believe what I'm saying, would you just talk to him for just a moment? God, we can't do this on our own. There's no way. God, when I see the vision for what you have for O'Fallon, when I see the revival that you've brought, there's no way, God. But I hear your voice saying, I'm going to take stuff from beyond your giving. And so the measure in which you give is going to be the measure in which I reach beyond and I provide. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But something that I begin to think about, and I'm, I'm almost done, and we're going we're gonna to take this, and we're going to pray over it. We're going to fill them out, and we're going to bring them to the front. You can put them upside down when we get to that point. John chapter 6 and verse 1. 
Jesus, he's on the other side of the Galilee, and there's a large crowd that's following him. They see the signs that he does on the sick, and he sits there with his disciples, and this crowd is coming toward him, and they've been out there all day, and Jesus looks to Philip, and he says, where are we going to buy bread so that, or, 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 that these people can eat? And Jesus said it to test Philip, because Jesus knew what was going on, and Philip said, you don't understand, Lord, I could, we could give 200 denarii worth of bread, and that's a just a staggering sum and, sum and it's still not even enough to feed all of these they wouldn't even get just a bite Lord I don't know how this miracle is going to come the need is far greater than our abilities but one of the disciples Andrew which was Simon Peter's brother he said unto them he said, he said you know what Lord there's this little boy here and he's got just a few loaves and some fishes and it's really his own lunch it's what he was going to eat and, but he gave it to us. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that little boy gave. I mean, that was a, a great sacrifice. But Lord, what he gave isn't enough. Sometimes you may feel that way. That Lord, I'm giving. And it's a lot for me. But in the grand scheme of things, it's just not enough. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was a lot of grass there. And they sat down. And there was about 5,000 men at this point. And Jesus took the loaves and... You find in other places that he, he took the loaves and he broke them and he prayed for them and he blessed them and they passed them out and distributed them to those who were seated in the fish as much as they wanted and when all had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost and he gathered them up and there were 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves and those fishes left by those who had eaten. I want to tell somebody right here that Sometimes we look at our own little gift, our own little contribution. We say, Lord, the pastor used an astronomical sum of $200,000. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's just a drop in the bucket. That just maybe buys some land. Start putting that at about, start looking at a million if you really want to start building. And Lord, here, here's my $1,000, Lord. I don't even know if I can give $1,000. My $500 is just not enough. I mean, it's, it's a huge thing for me, but it's just, it's just not enough. But I hear the Lord saying, but, but would you give it to me? Watch what I can do with it. And the one thing that hit me about two months ago is I began to prepare for this night. I began to realize that this lad, that day, wasn't going to go hungry. He was prepared. If all the other 5,000 men were not smart enough to pack a lunch, he at least had a good mama that packed him a lunch. And when everybody else was starving, I don't know how old the boy was, but if he's like most boys, he was going to sit down. He was going to open his lunch. He didn't go, mmm, this is good. Where's all your food? Oh, you didn't bring one? Mm, I'm sorry, but mm, this is good. That little boy didn't have a need that day. That little boy had everything he needed. That little boy didn't need the miracle. But when he looked at Andrew and he said, he said, why don't you give this to Jesus? When that little boy gave, suddenly he had need of the miraculous. I don't know about you, but I want the miraculous in my life. And sometimes it requires you to give so you can be a part.
of the miracle. says I know the thoughts I know the dreams that you have and I I'm, I'm gonna prosper them and I can't tell you I've told the story of dating my wife long before I even dreamed I'd ever passed her here but I've, I've told you a story of dating my wife I lived in Florissant she lived in Winsville and I would drive down 70 more times than I can imagine I put more miles on my truck dating my wife than we did evangelizing Mom would ask me to go to Schnooks, which was five minutes away, and that was, no, man, that's too far. I don't have any gas money. Mama, you got some gas money for me, but drive 45 minutes to see Brienne? Absolutely. But I would pass this church. I knew this church. I had preached here. I had ministered here. I loved this church. It was had friends here. But I remember as a, as, a, as a young adult, I would pass this church, and as I would pass it, I would say, man, that church is in the right spot for a revival never dreaming that God would allow us to be here. I drive through O'Fallon. I call realtors up. I go walk properties. I dream dreams. Whether in the spirit or out of the spirit, I don't know sometimes. I see church buildings. I see full parking lots. I see miraculous things. And in the middle of it, I hear God saying, I know dreams and the thoughts I have for this church and they will prosper and you're a part of this my friend and I'm asking that you would begin to close your eyes and I'm asking that you would begin to think Lord what can I give it's there it's the, it's the same thing we did last year it's, there's a $25 a week $100 a month $1,000 a year type pledge there's the half of that, the 500, and then there's a, a blank one. In that blank spot, I believe there's a lot of people that God is leading you to give beyond. And it doesn't even have to be crazy. It could be a dollar more than you gave last year, but you're saying, Lord, I'm giving beyond. Because as we give beyond, God's going to reach beyond our giving. And he's going to open up something that we have not even a dream of. There's a Cyrus that wants to make some payments. There's a, 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 a business that wants to make a payment. There's, a, there's a, a, a something that we don't even see happening that God is there. I want you to grab that, that. There's two parts to this. Let me just explain it. In the, in the folded part, there's a pledge, and that's for you personally. That's for you to fill out and you take home and you put it on your refrigerator or wherever. It's for you to remember and then this single piece of paper, this is for you. This is for you to fill out. And, and in fact, Darren and Kenny, if you don't mind, would you come and would you put on either side, would you put a couple, maybe, if, I don't know how many offering baskets we have back there. If you've got four, bring four because these will take up a lot of room. Or come and bring them. And just a little bit, we're going to give you a chance to fill these out. And you can put them. And, and I, I'll tell you right now that, that, that I don't share the, the personal numbers except with, with Sister Sharon. Uh, we don't go around talking about what people give. That's that's private because especially as you talk, Brother uh, Richardson, that, that we don't do it for the show. We do it for what God has in mind. 
But as you hold that paper and as you begin to close your eyes and pray, I'm asking for our pastoral elder, Brother Buford, I want you to come. And I want you to pray over this congregation. I want you to release our faith. And as he gets done praying, we're going to just kind of let the music go, however you so feel. I realize we don't have a lot of singers up here because they're going to be filling them out, but maybe as your singers fill them out, they can come join you. But I want us to begin to let God speak to us as we begin to give beyond. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for an opportunity to be a part of what you're desiring for the city of O'Fallon and the surrounding areas. We understand the word commit, Lord. We can.